0: Welcome back to the Traders Point Church of Christ podcast and thank you for joining us. Each week we open up the Bible for just a few minutes and discuss God's Word together. We discuss its meaning and the ways in which we can apply it in our walk as followers of Christ. If you'd like more information about the Traders Point Church of Christ, you can visit our website at traderspointchurch.org and you can follow us on Facebook and YouTube as well. If you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, please take just a second to do that so you can stay up to date on all of the content that's put out on this channel.
1: Thanks again for joining us, and enjoy today's conversation. Welcome back to the podcast. We're so thankful that you have chosen to uh, study along with us. In the last several weeks, we've been in Ephesians chapter 4, and we've spent a couple of weeks ago the very beginning of this uh, incredible chapter last week kind of in that middle section, and um, Here at the very end, uh, John and I will spend some time in in talking about the very end of this chapter, verses 17 through 32. Uh, He's going to certainly get a little bit more specific on uh, some applications, but... Uh, A lot of it is certainly headed in the same direction from what we've talked about. So uh, before we get into uh, reading this text together, uh, John, why don't you kind of catch us up a little bit from where we've been and uh, maybe setting us up a little bit from uh, where we're going to go.
0: Yeah, We mentioned at the very outset of this study that Paul had a very deep relationship with the Christians in Ephesus, and and that I think does uh, fuel some of the things that he's writing to them. And he's talking about some really important concepts that are, are just as applicable for us today. We we've spent a lot of time over the past two weeks using the word or the idea of unity, and that's really what this chapter is about, that God expects unity within his body. And he's talked about the importance of that, and then he's talked about how that can be achieved. And so last week we talked about the different gifts that have been given and how when those are utilized appropriately, the result of that is unity in Christ and the body grows uh, through the use of those abilities and those talents that have been given to each of us. And therefore it's incredibly important that we are all using those talents and abilities to their fullest, to serve one another and ultimately to serve God, so that His body can be knit together and growth can be experienced within it. And so it's it's really that idea that is leading us into verse number seventeen and following. And and while the the tone changes perhaps a little bit as you get into the end of this chapter. It's certainly still very much connected to this whole idea of of unity that he has been talking about and the body of Christ and the importance of, of us all being unified in him. That's still going to be kind of the backdrop to the end of this chapter. And so while I think a lot of times you get to verse 17 and following, and that's almost talked about separately from the first half of this chapter, I would I would perhaps challenge us to to maybe change our way of thinking about that just a bit, if we have thought about it that way in the past, and really to read this in the context of this idea of unity that Paul has been bringing forth in the first half of this chapter.
1: All right, so let's go ahead and read uh, this uh, text for us here, beginning in verse 17. We're going to go down through verse uh, 32, a little lengthy reading, but we've read uh, already the rest of this chapter, so we'll continue to, to kind of do that. And so if, you can, uh, if you've got a Bible, you can certainly follow along, or uh, if you're maybe driving, you can just listen, but we'll read Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 17. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another." Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Now, John, this. Uh, language that he'll use, the idea of putting off and putting on, is language that Paul will use in other places as well. And again, it's an, it's an easy analogy, it's an easy visual for us to grab hold of, but I think it's always good to be reminded of, you know, just remember that as he's writing this letter, he's writing to not people of the world, He's writing to Christians who have already put Christ on in baptism. And so what he is doing here, and in all of the other places that he brings you know, and uses the same kind of language, he's doing so by way of reminder yep. that this is what you have signed on for, in essence, right? This is what you have done. You put to death that old man. And so he's reminding them of those things. And it is this reminder that he is giving them, of putting off the old man, putting on the new, then providing really some examples of what that looks like. That's the second half of this idea. But it's interesting that he will do so when reminding them of this after this unity conversation that he has began the chapter
0: with. Yeah, because when you think about it, what, what does walking in the ways that he described there in verses 17, 18, and 19, what does that breed? Well, it breeds selfishness. Right. It breeds disunity. It breeds the exact opposite of what God wants to see from his people and what God expects of his church. And so it, it is an important reminder. Yes, they, they, have, they have put on Christ in baptism, but if you allow some of these um, lewd thoughts or these selfish desires creep back into your life— you are going to be working against the unity that God wants to see in his body. And, and so we have to be constantly on guard against these things, not to go back to them and not to begin walking in these ways that are going to work against what the goal of the Christian should be, which is unity in Christ with one another. And so that's why, again, this that's why this is so important to keep in context here, and remember that this whole conversation is about the importance of unity and about the body of Christ, and so we have to realize that if we start to you know walk in the ways that the Gentiles had walked previously, and they've been past feeling and given themselves over to lewdness and work all uncleanness with greediness, if, if that starts to be us, if we start to look like that, then we're going to begin pulling each other apart. From one another, we're going to be pulling the body apart from itself. We're going to be working against what God designed it to be, and so that's why this is so important for Paul to address in to address in the context of this unity discussion that he's been having.
1: And, and I love the reminder that he gives them. And you know, certainly by using the you know the phraseology of Gentiles, and he's not he's not using that in a racial way of of thinking. You know, the Jew mm-hmm. uh, versus you know the Gentile as they were born. But the idea of those who are saved and those who are lost and those who are part of the world. And so I love the phrase that he gives there in verse 20 of showing that contrast, but then reminding them, you've not learned that in Christ. If this is the way that you are conducting yourselves, Christ didn't teach you that. He didn't showcase that to you. That's not what he's about. And as a Christian, we're following what he has taught, what he has exemplified, what he is all about. We can go all the way back to the beginning of this chapter and on the point that Paul makes of being a prisoner of the Lord. Mm -hmm. If we are a prisoner of the Lord, I think you made that point a couple of weeks ago, Uh, I'm going to be about things that Christ is about. I'm going to be about things that he has taught, things that he has exemplified. And Paul makes the point that if I'm I'm conducting myself in a selfish way, if I'm wrapped up in those kinds of thoughts or those kinds of attitudes— I've not learned that in Christ. That that's not what being a Christian is all about. And so you have this strong reminder. It's pretty blunt, if yeah. you think about it. Yeah. In a lot of ways, it, it, it's blunt. And that he says, what, "What you've learned in Christ is those kinds of thoughts that the people of the world engage in. Those kind of actions that the people of the world engaged in. You, you put that man away. You have yeah. you've sacrificed that man. And now you have this reminder. And it, it kind of snaps us back into reality in a lot of ways. To say, you know, you're right. If i going to be all about christ i've got to be all about things learned and taught by him
0: yeah and that's again that's an important reminder whether you've been a christian for a day or whether you've been a christian for 50 years to constantly be reminded of that what what is it that christ taught you well it's not to treat your brother with anger it's not to lash out at each other it's not to be lying or deceitful that's that's not what christ taught us Christ taught us to be one with one another, and in order for us to be one with one another, then, then we have to put off that old conduct, and we have to think about treating each other with kindness and with respect, again, going all the way back up to those first couple of verses of, of chapter 4. That's what Christ taught us, and what Christ taught us leads to unity, and therefore anything learned outside of Christ is going to do the exact opposite. Of that, and that that at the end of the day, I think you could look at Ephesians chapter four, and you could pretty much diagnose any problem that comes <laughs> up in the Lord's church today, mm-hmm. because it's addressed here in Ephesians chapter four. And because it all comes back to if we are treating one another the way that Christ intended for us to, and we're using our gifts to serve one another and build one another up and equip one another, then the Lord's church is going to have unity. That's going to be the result. It's only when we go outside of that that those things begin to sever and those things begin to see fractures. It's only outside of that. When we are in Christ, when we are doing what He intended for us to be doing, behaving the way He intended for us to behave, the only result of that is unity with one another and unity in Christ. That is the only outcome if we are conducting ourselves in the way that Paul's describing
1: here. and yeah, Another phrase that's given here that um, I, I think is pretty blunt and can be shocking when we begin to think about it again, if we're we're working outside of that, right? Number one, he says, listen, if you're operating outside of that, if you're operating per what the old man is all about, you've not learned that in Christ. That's not what being a Christian is all about. Yeah. But then he adds that phrase there in, down in verse 30, that, you know, in essence, listen, if, if this is the way you're going to conduct yourself outside of the scope that, of what we've learned in Christ, if you're going to conduct yourself as the Gentiles conduct, if as a Christian or professing to be a Christian, you're not all about unity, you're not all about caring for one another, you're, you're only about self, if that, if that is where you are... Um, That that saddens God. He Mm -hmm. he grieves because of that. And and now, listen. The the living life of a Christian is all about being pleasing to God. I mean that that's the in essence that's what it's all about. I I want God to look at me and to be pleased. I I am pleased with Jeremy. I'm pleased with who he is and the decisions that he's making. You know, I'm. Uh, you know well done good and faithful servant i mean that's what, yeah. we're, that's what we're looking for yeah. and so you have this incredible verse that reminds us that listen there there is a way that i can be not pleasing to god even as a christian To live my life in a way that's not pleasing to God. And you want to talk about something we should be striving to stay away from, there's some pretty specific things given here at the end of the chapter that help us to see that what's pleasing to God is that I'm not, uh, I tell the truth. Mm -hmm. What's pleasing to God is that I, I work and I don't steal, right? What's pleasing to God is that I treat uh, my fellow brothers and sisters, with love and with tenderness, and not with anger or malice or contempt. And, and, you know that I'm thinking about those kinds of things. That's what pleasing to God. If I step outside of that, I'm grieving the Holy Spirit. He is weeping because of the conduct in my life.
0: Yeah, and when we step outside of that, verse number twenty-seven is one that has always stuck out mm-hmm. to me. We are we are giving place to the devil. We are giving him a, a foothold a foot in our lives. We are cracking the door for him. and I, It's this idea. We're not, we're not necessarily just throwing the doors open and say, come on, come on in, devil, you know, take whatever you want. But we are essentially giving him an entryway into our lives, and that's all he wants. All he wants is a crack in the door just to get a little bit of a foothold because he'll figure his way out from there. He'll get in. We, we have to be so careful. You know, you and I spent so much time at the beginning of this year in Ephesians chapter 6 talking about the armor of God. And one of the things that I know we talked about so many times through our study of that chapter is that it's so important to put on the whole armor of God because it is the whole armor of God that protects us wholly. It protects us entirely. And that when we have the entire armor of God on we aren't giving place to the devil we aren't giving him that foothold in our lives but when we begin to put that aside whether it's because of how i'm treating a brother or sister or because i'm neglecting my study of his word or whatever it is we're giving satan that foothold in our lives and that we have to be so careful about that, because that foothold can lead not just to the destruction of us individually, but as we've been talking about over the past several weeks, that can have wide-ranging impact within the body of Christ because of the unity that we have in Him. If I'm allowing Satan to get a foothold in my life, it's only a matter of time before that starts to impact others around me as well. And so I have to take that so seriously seriously to protect not only myself, but also my brothers and sisters.
1: Yeah, and in essence, the Lord's Church. I mean, that's the point that's made even at the very beginning of this chapter, that I, I'm I'm causing problems for myself, I'm causing problems for my brothers and sisters, and in essence, I'm causing problems for God. Yep. And, and, you know, you, you start to think about it that way, and, man, it, do, it doesn't sound very good. Mm-hmm. And, and so it, it has then a huge impact on where my focus should be. My focus is on God, my focus is on others— my f- my understanding is I am a, a a follower of His in every capacity. That I'm giving place to Him and to Him only, and uh, I'm I'm fleeing the devil. I'm mm-hmm. pushing Him away. I'm not giving Him even the smallest of cracks to move in because it, you made the point. If we give Him even the smallest of cracks, He'll take it. Yeah, and He'll take. He'll make that little tiny crack that He's moved into, and He'll just slowly or sometimes quickly mm-hmm. makes that crack much much bigger than we intended for it to be. And so I've got to be, you know, leery of that and to be able to just push him away. And God has, God has given us
0: everything that we need. Right. He's equipped us to, to protect ourselves against that. I think it's interesting that he also uses that same word in verse number 12 of this chapter, that he gave these gifts and these talents and these abilities to individuals to equip the saints— as they seek to grow in unity together with one another. And so he has given us gifts and talents and abilities to equip one another to minister to each other's needs, to edify the body, to grow in unity and faith and knowledge. He has given us everything that we need to equip ourselves to grow in unity and to protect ourselves against Satan and and his attempts to attack us. Everything we need has been provided to us, and that has been provided to us as a body of his. We all have the ability to protect one another and to protect ourselves against Satan's attacks. And that will lead us to being unified together. You think about, you know, the pictures of, you know, especially, you know, in, in days gone by of of armies as they would approach one another on a battlefield. And many times, I can even picture it, because I've, I've looked up pictures of you know Roman armies and stuff when I was studying through Ephesians chapter 6 and the different shields and things that they would use, they would oftentimes huddle together and put their shields together, and they would almost create uh, just an impenetrable wall of shields as they would then move forward towards their enemy. And as long as they all stayed right there together— the arrows could come, or the swords could come. nobody can get through that because those shields were right there together. They were They were moving in unison against their opponent on the battlefield, and that's the same kind of picture that we should have that that we should be moving in unison together as a body of Christ, making sure that we aren't giving Satan that foothold to get into our lives.
1: yeah, there's no doubt. and you know, I'll close with you know, kind of as you know with one other thought as Paul kind of closes this chapter, which really serves as a segue into chapter 5, but, you know, all of these things that, that God is is calling uh, for us to have and attitudes and, and, you know, actions that he's calling us to have, certainly at the end of this chapter, you know, Paul reminds us that th- this isn't above anything that God has done himself, right? Yeah. You know, when, and when us, uh, kindness and tenderheartedness and certainly forgiveness— love, all of those things are, are things that God himself has showcased. Mm-hmm. And so he's not asking us to do anything that he hasn't done in a perfect way himself. And that, you know, that'll be a big part of what chapter 5 ultimately becomes. But, you know, it, it, is, it is God knowing what's the best way. He, yep. he knows what the best way, and now it comes down to, am I able to trust that? Am I able to trust that? Yep. Well, we appreciate everybody for studying along with us over the last several weeks here in Ephesians chapter four. Um, it's certainly been a benefit to me. Hopefully, it's been a benefit to you as well. Uh, we'll continue our studies uh, next week as well. Be a different topic, but we'll uh, we'll continue to study along, and hopefully, you'll be here with us next week.